Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. The members of the state legislature are debating numerous bills relating to elections this session. This week, we take a look. Arizona state lawmakers have introduced various bills this year that would change laws dealing with voting and counting ballots. Critics say some are a response to President Joe Biden's win in the state last November. Julia Shumway is Senate reporter at the Arizona Capital Times. She says there are an unusually high number of bills related to elections introduced in the legislature this year. If you look at Title 16, the title that has to do with elections, you, and you want to put it on a bar graph, as one of our uh, local lobbyists chose to do, you can see a giant jump in 2021. And I think normally after an election, you see a lot more election bills, but it's even higher than usual this year. Now, there's a proposal to allow the legislature to overturn the results of a presidential election even after it's formally certified, where does that measure stand? So in good news for people who want their own votes for president to count for who gets to be our next president, that proposal appears to be completely dead. So we had two different versions of this. Um, One introduced by Representative Shauna Bullock over in the House never even got a hearing. It's not going anywhere. I think that one drew a lot of national attention at the start of the session, and it very, very quickly died. Um, Near the end of the regular, near the end of the time, at which point the Senate or the House have to hear all of the bills in their chamber of origin, Senator David Gowan brought this idea back. This time he put a different spin on it, saying he would propose a constitutional amendment. So in effect, if his bill had passed, voters in 2022 would be asked if they wanted to vote to essentially give up their right to vote for president in 2024. Mr. Gowan put this bill on the on on his agenda for his appropriations committee. He heard a lot of negative feedback, and then he announced that he would not actually be hearing this bill. So for now, with the caveat that nothing is ever truly dead until they adjourn sine die, these bills appear to be appear to be dead. Also, there's a measure to shall we say take the permanent out of the. Uh, permanent early voter list, the PEVL, uh, which Arizonans are so familiar with, that people who haven't voted recently with that permanent early voter list would be thrown off the list. How's that bill doing? That bill looks like it has a pretty good path of making it to Governor Ducey's desk. It had a false start in the Senate this year when One senator who hadn't fully read the bill voted against it. He wasn't ready for it to come up on the floor. He didn't quite understand what it did. Then after learning that the way this bill would work would require, if a voter were to be removed from the list, they would have to miss four elections in a row. So you have a primary and a general election in 2020. You have a primary and a general election in 2022. You don't vote in any of them by mail you get a letter saying, hey, are you still a voter? Do you want to remain on this list? And he decided, this Senator Paul Boyer, who voted against it, decided that sounded to him like a common sense solution. To critics, it is taking the permanent out of the permanent early voting list. Um, This list is called the Peevil in parts of the state. So they enjoy pointing out that if you take the P off of Peevil, you get evil. 
And right now, this bill is over in the House. It's waiting on a vote. It'll probably be a heated debate and probably pass along party lines and head up to Governor Ducey. Now, I know Governor Ducey rarely tips his hand on these things. Um, Have you or any of your colleagues at the Capitol Times gotten a hint as to what he might do with that? He has not given any hints. The governor um, is very fond of saying that he does not comment on on legislation as it's working its way through the process. So we will get our first hint from him come the time it ends up on his desk. Well, usually if he opposes a bill, he tries to find a way to kill it while it's moving through the legislature so he does not have to veto it. And I think this fact that it proceeded without any real stumbling blocks is a sign that he might welcome it when it arrives on his desk. We're talking with Julia Shumway. She is a reporter with the Arizona Capital Times. Do any of these bills have bipartisan support? Most of the bills we hear about are strongly supported by Republicans. But as you said, there are a large number of bills. So are there others that have support from both Republicans and Democrats? The majority of our election bills are highly partisan. The Democratic proposed changes to election law for all intents and purposes, did not receive hearings. They're they're dead. The Republican ones are getting support solely from Republicans. One possible exception might be a bill introduced by Senator T.J. Shope and supported by county reporters. That is just a rundown of standard election law changes. These are things that come up. You every election is a different different election. You find new issues. A judge has ordered the Arizona Republican Party to pay the Secretary of State's office about $18,000 to cover the cost of defending what the judge said were frivolous election lawsuits. That determination seems it may have undercut some of the arguments that these aren't these bills aren't aimed at helping Republicans. What was the reaction around the Capitol amongst you know members of the legislature to that judge's ruling? I would say that Democrats among the ca- around the Capitol were very pleased to hear about it. Um, Republicans were not paying quite as close of attention. This was, of course, one of almost a dozen lawsuits here in Arizona that sought to challenge the election in some way. And it was expected that this one had gone so badly that the judge would order attorney's fees. And of course, that ruling came right around the time that Representative John Kavanaugh went on CNN and said, quote, there's a fundamental difference between Democrats and Republicans. Democrats value as many people voting as possible, and they're willing to risk fraud. Republicans are more concerned about fraud, so we don't mind putting security measures in that won't let everybody vote, but everybody shouldn't be voting. How has that played on the floor of the chambers? That has very much not gone over well. I think that I think Representative Kavanaugh put into plain English a tension that has been underlying many of these bills. For instance, the measure that would have removed voters from the permanent early voting list if they don't vote by mail in at least one of the four most recent elections Democrats look at that and say, you're taking voters off the list. Republicans look at it and say, if you're not voting for four elections in a row, you're not a voter. We're not removing a voter. You're not a voter. And so that is definitely a a tension that's under a lot of the bills that we see this year is who should be voting and 
do we want everyone in Arizona to have the ability to vote and to vote easily? I know you said you cover the Senate, but it seems like the backdrop on all of this also now is the Arizona Republican Party, the election of Kelly Ward to be their chair again for another term has been called into question. She was the head of so many of those lawsuits demanding recounts and things like that, and now she doesn't want a recount or an audit of her own election. Again, is this a backdrop that's even being talked about amongst the legislature as they're debating these bills? I think there are a number of Republican lawmakers who signed on to a letter to Kelly Ward a little earlier this year saying that they would they demanded a recount and that she authorized one, making the case that as they've pushed for recounts and audits in the presidential election, they as Republicans should hold themselves to the same standard. I think what is happening with the Arizona Republican Party internally is not necessarily a big point of discussion on this on the House and Senate floor. There's so much happening externally that they're focused on, but it may come up occasionally in, in digs taken by Democrats. You know, you can't even run run elections cleanly in your own party. Why are you telling us how to do it here? When it comes to election law or changes to election law, is there anything we've missed that our listeners need to know about that maybe those that don't follow it day in, day out like you do uh, don't know that's going on? I think probably the we've covered most of the bills, I would say, for voters, for your listeners um, to keep an eye on on these deadlines. The next big one coming up is March 26th. And any bill that has not been heard in both the House and the Senate by March 26th is going to have a very hard time making it. And so if you're curious about a bill, go on to the Arizona legislature's website, check to see if it's had any movement. And if not, if it's something like these bills to allow the legislature to pick the president, you can rest a little easy that this probably is not moving forward. All right. Well, thanks for spending some time with us. Thank you. That was Julia Shumway, Senate reporter at the Arizona Capital Times. In Arizona, voting early and by mail is part of the fabric of our elections. In last year's general election, the Secretary of State's office says 88% of Arizona residents who voted cast their ballots early, and most of them by mail. The pandemic most likely added to the number of ballots cast by mail last year, but in 2018, 80% of ballots in the general election were cast early, and in 2016, the year President Donald Trump was elected, 75% of Arizona voters cast early ballots. The permanent early voting list, often referred to as the PEVIL or PEVIL, allows Arizona voters to get an early mail-in ballot without having to request it for every election. But Republicans in the legislature, like State Senator Michelle Eugenti Rita, are trying to change that. If you haven't voted in um, four years, so in one election cycle, the primary and general, and then the second election cycle, the primary general, so that's a total of four years, it's a total of four elections, uh, the, the county is going to say, is going to reach out and say, hey, uh, I'm going to check in with you. You haven't voted, so I'm just going to reach out and make sure you still want to participate. They're going to do that via a notice that's sent to you. 
If you respond and sign to it, uh, that will reaffirm your participation. And you can honestly do that in perpetuity, only respond every four years to the notice in theory, and then continue to get your ballot by mail. But if you don't respond, yes, at that point, you would be removed. Democrats, like Southern Arizona Senator Kirsten Engel, argued that taking people off the permanent early voting list will only hurt turnout. We're going back on that promise to the voters. And sure, I, I wish everybody always voted on every single election. Um, of course, we want more engagement. But we don't require in the United States people to vote. And so taking people off the list as a punishment, it, it, it ends up being a punishment for them not voting. Um, it's also going to be an excessive burden, I think, on our elections officials to check whether people have not voted for the number of elections. In Pima County, the county recorder's office says of the 451,000 permanent early voters that received ballots in the November 2020 election, 86 percent of them were voted. Pima County recorder Gabriela Cáceres Kelly said it's important to note that the bill targets active voters and she opposes all legislation that makes it more difficult for voters to participate. The Pima County Recorder's Office has a closer tie to the permanent early voting list than most other recorder's offices because retired recorder F. Ann Rodriguez was the driving force behind the creation of the list in 2007. She said voters wanted it. Our constituents were saying, how come I have to do this every year? Request a ballot by mail. You can see in my history that I always vote this way. And they were correct. So we went to the legislature saying, look, if people want this method. Let them have the option of choosing to do it or not choosing. Before Rodriguez left office last year, she told AZPM when the Pevel was first proposed, it wasn't a legislative slam dunk. It took educating lawmakers to get it passed. But she says the program's popularity demonstrates its success and value. It's been very successful. We've tweaked it now. Uh, and so it's, it's a tool that we use in the state and people are used to it. And people love it. This year's bill making changes to the permanent early voting list passed the Arizona Senate on a narrow party line vote. It still faces votes in the House where the Republicans hold a two vote majority. This week we're discussing possible changes to election and voting laws. As we talked about in the first half of the show, there have been numerous proposals introduced in the Arizona legislature to change access to voting. We'll hear more on those in just a moment. But there's also a federal effort to widen voting access, known as H.R. 1. It passed the U.S. House and was backed by Southern Arizona Democratic Congressman Raul Grijalva. He penned an op-ed in the Arizona Republic urging its adoption, saying it will stop efforts like the ones in the Arizona legislature by standardizing how federal elections are conducted. The proposal, which includes campaign finance reform, faces an uphill battle in the U.S. Senate. Penny Sharana is the state advocacy chair for the Arizona League of Women Voters and Metro Phoenix president-elect for the league. She says their work has continued in spite of the pandemic, shifting to online and socially distant ways of working. There's two kinds of work that we do. One is 
to expand the participation of citizens in the franchise. And that is through registering voters. Okay, That's part one. And the second part is uh, to educate those voters once they're registered about their choices in terms of candidates on ballot issues. You know, we don't tell them how to vote, but we tell them where to vote. Uh, what are their different options? And so that is the work that the league has been doing in Arizona for, in fact, for about 80 years. The other side of the coin, which is equally important and very, very critical for the work we do is in advancing democracy, is advocacy. And advocacy is everything from monitoring legislation, speaking for and against legislation, bringing forward legislation, and more importantly, ballot initiatives. We were instrumental in three very critical ballot initiatives that are going to play a very important part in our democracy right now. The first is the establishing of the Independent Redistricting Commission. We were very instrumental in helping pass that ballot initiative. The second is the Clean Elections Commission. And the third is the establishment of the Judicial Review Board. So the League has been really, really active. And so we see those that work as being core to being protected and protective of democracy, if you will. You mentioned legislation and advocacy. When it comes to the legislature this year, there have been numerous bills dealing with election law and possible changes to election law. Are there any that you all are specifically paying attention to, either in support for or against? Unfortunately, a tremendous number of these bills coming forward are really in direct opposition to the core of our principles, our mission, and the work we do. The League follows a lot of bills, but it does not take, we don't take a position either support or opposing a bill unless we actually have a public policy position on that. And we have public policy positions on elections, election reform, redistricting, education, water, climate. So having put that in context, out of the 20 plus bills that have been going through There are two buckets, if you will, that are of real interest to us and concern. One is all the bills that make it either harder to vote by mail or that enforce additional ID laws, um, requirements that is like a second time ID requirement for voters who already have filled out one as a mail-in ballot. And the third is any attempt to change the curing process or the time for curing or the postmarking of ballots. We believe that every single one of those is a deliberate attempt to make it harder for people to vote, especially if you consider that 80% of Arizonans love voting by mail. So the other bucket is we haven't seen it this year, but we have seen it in the past where there's been imposed closure of uh, polling locations, reduction of funding, making it hard to vote in tribal communities. Those we oppose all the time. The second bucket is ballot initiatives. We think direct democracy is one of the most effective things, and we wouldn't have that in our constitution if it wasn't for the fact that I think our citizens are fundamentally seem to be, we are not just distrustful, we are unhappy with the way the legislature doesn't 
often represent the will of the people. So the people speak. We've heard a lot after this election about uh, bills that have come through that people are unhappy with um, and the way some of the the bills uh, deal with the way the election was run. Uh, from the league's standpoint, were there changes this year when the legislature came in that needed to be made? You know, looking back at the 2020 election or 2018 or 2016, for that matter, looking forward to 2022, is there anything the league said, you know, this is something we do need to fix? So um, none of the bills that we have been monitoring um, really address any known problems with elections or mishandling of elections or fraudulent elections. They do not. They, they, there is claims, very specious claims, but there are no known documented problems. If there were, we would speak out immediately. That's point one. Point two, the league as members volunteer extensively in everything from um, polling poll workers. We are a huge participant in the poll worker uh, effort. We also helped with the audit this time of the machines in the Maricopa County when they did the audit. Uh, so many of our uh, league members serve to vet the signatures. So the truth is that as league, we are active on the ground in in making, you know, being part of ensuring that the elections are run fairly with integrity and security. And we speak out. But so my answer to you is we do not see anything in the legislation that has been brought forward that addresses any actual, real, documented problems that exist. What was your reaction to the bill? And the bill has seemingly died now. We know that nothing is ever actually dead in the legislature until the session is over. But the bill that has seemingly died that would have required a notary to sign off on a mail-in ballot to prove that you voted the mail-in ballot and somebody else didn't, or you had to include a driver's license number on mail-in ballots. Is it safe to assume that the league did not like those ideas? We did not like the ideas. We testified against it. We wrote against it on two things. One is no bill is really dead <laughs> till the uh, the legislature signing dies. You know that. And so one thing I want to tell you is SB 1713 is not dead yet. And it requires that there be a ID provided with the mail-in ballots. And let's talk about that particular one, why we are against it. Number one, we are treating people who get mail ballots differently than other voters. Okay, that's discriminatory because we're telling the people who get mail-in ballots, you have to prove who we are, who you are in order to get a mail-in ballot. And now that you've proved that, we don't trust you, so you got to send us information again. I mean, that's really what we're saying, right? Okay. Second is that if you've been voting, I've been voting for many, many years, and many of my neighbors have been voting for many years. If I went and asked them, where's their voter ID? I can tell you, then they don't even remember where it is. Some of them have stopped driving. They don't have a driver's ID. Plus, here's something that they are, we are hearing again and again. Wait a minute. I'm going to give all this 
information that has ID, it's going to be handled by I don't know who. And when the envelope is opened, that ID will be a way to identify my ballot as to who voted and how I voted. Where is the secrecy? Let alone the issue of, you know, can the mail in, can the documents I provide you be kept secure? So, by the way, the specious claim was the signature on the outside could poses an ID theft. But the documents on the inside don't come on, you know? I mean, so we, we, we are opposed to it, Christopher. We are. Are all these proposals this year, do you think, just an anomaly this year? Or do you think a push to change election laws is here to stay? As a league? We intend to make sure none of this legislation is here to stay. We're going to fight this because it does not strengthen democracy and we're committed to protecting and making democracy work. So we're going to keep fighting. We've been fighting since 2016. We've been fighting these bills. So, Christopher, it's not just happening because of the 2020 election. I think the 2020 election, the big lie, and the opportunity to use the big lie to bring forward um, egregious legislation is what we're looking at, okay? It served a purpose to further that. We are wanting, as a league, to stop the big lie by telling the big truth, which is we had a safe and secure election, and the people who want to vote, every voter is a quality voter. The legislature does not get to decide who's quality and who's not. All right. Well, thanks for spending some time with us. Thank you so much, Christopher, for giving the League an opportunity to speak on these issues. That was Penny Sharon, state advocacy chair for the Arizona League of Women Voters. The bill requiring a voter to have their early ballot signature notarized never received a committee hearing and is considered dead. This week, a House committee approved a measure requiring people filling out mail-in ballots to sign an affidavit that includes their date of birth and driver's license or county voter ID number. That requirement would be in addition to the signature verification process already used by county election officials. And that's the buzz for this week. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Ariana Brocious is the show's producer and editor with help this week from Emma Gibson. Vanessa Ontiveros is our production assistant. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. And Duncan Moon is the interim news director. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.